morning everyone um, I brought a lot of notes today but actually I'm not sure if I can read it because it was <laughs> rather late last night when I wrote it so um, this might be a bit <laughs> we'll see first of all I would like to thank Roshi and, and Sensei for their, their talks during the week and Roshi exploring the precepts and Swigan Sensei talking about spiritual friendship really, yeah, triggered something inside of me or brought something up that needed to come out, tears to be shed. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you both. And I would like to thank, thank all of you for, for being here this week, for doing this. And I remember on my first, or one of my first sessions, one of the teachers present there, every time I would leave the interview room, would say to me, thank you for your practice. And, oh, that didn't feel good at all. <laughs> Stinked. It felt like a slap in the face, and I couldn't take it at all. And at that time, we had like, two or three interviews a day, I think. <laughs> um, and so I would ask other people on the retreat, like, what is this about, you know? And he didn't do it to anyone else, you know? <laughs> he just did it with me. But thank you for your practice every time, over and over and over again. Just rub it in my face. And... And he was right. I mean, I really felt like I wasn't, I wasn't part of things. I wasn't part of the session. Looking in from the outside, you know, separate, an observer, service user in a way. And, and the session was happening as a, a separate entity, like a machine magic, magically set up by the people running it or the Buddhist headquarters of the world, or God, I don't know. Um, but me being there, or not being there, felt completely irrelevant. But that's not how Sashin works. You know? Service, Zazen, sitting together, looking after each other, looking after the house, looking after the surrounding, supporting each other, only exists because each and every one of us is doing it. And we're doing this together, creating something that is bigger, bigger than its parts. I mean, service is a good example. You can really see it when it flows. It's something else gets created and it's all of us doing it at the same time. But like a living, breathing organism called Sashin. And each and every one of us is crucial for that. And that's also true for practice in general. I mean, practice doesn't exist without me or you doing it. And yesterday, five of us received Jukai. And part of the ceremony is that that you receive a, a lineage shard, a Kachiniyagu. And it goes from the original Buddha down. It's like a family tree. It goes from 
the Buddha through the generations, from teacher to student, you know, through China to Japan, from Japan to the States, to Mazumi Roshi, and then from Mazumi to Tenshin Roshi, and from Tenshin Roshi to Keizan Roshi, and from Keizan Roshi to you. The last name on the chart is your name. And then the line goes all the way back up to the original Buddha. And what that says to me is, you know, the Buddha's practice is as much based on your practice, on you doing it right now, as yours is on his practice. All, all the people who have been there before us. And it really matters, and it doesn't exist without you doing it, without us doing it. And, you know, without your practice, my practice, 80 of the 82 generation of ancestors are just a bunch of dead dudes, you know, it's <laughs> like... <laughs> and I didn't understand that in the past, and I think it's hard to take that in. You know, it really matters. It really matters what you are doing. But coming back to my story, at the end of my first session, I asked that teacher to sign a copy of his book for me. And guess what he wrote into it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your practice. And here it is now, and it really comes from the depths of my heart to everyone here present. Thank you for your practice. <laughs> It's the last day of Sishin, or the last full day of Sishin today, and it feels like the cloud have lifted a little bit, and uh, the grip of the small self is not as tight anymore, hopefully. There might have been great insights, and hopefully they went also afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like we feel a bit more at ease with things today. And so that's a good moment for me to come in and punch you in the face or something. <laughs> no tension, Roshi. Roshi's teacher, my Dharma grandfather, said to me once, and I'm paraphrasing here, like, wherever you find a place to stand, it's my job to pull the rug. <laughs> and uh, in that spirit... <laughs> after we've all mellowed out a little bit. I would like to talk a little bit about the pitfalls of practice. And I brought a koan for that, that I would like to explore together. It's called Gokoku's Three Shames, and I'm going to read it to you. <clears throat> the main case. Attention, a monk asked Gokoku, when a crane stands upon a withered pine, then what? Rokoku said, on the ground below, it's a shame. The monk said, then said, when dripping water freezes, what then? Rokoku replied, after sunrise, it's a shame. The monk then said, at the time of Esho's persecution of Buddhism, where were the good gods to protect the Dharma? And Gokoku said, 
for the two guardians of the triple gate, it's a shame. So I read the first shame again to you. So when a crane stands upon a withered pine, then what? And Gokoku said, on the ground below, it's a shame. What, what does that, what Tom comes up for you with the, the crane standing on the, the withered tree in terms of practice? Is there anything that comes to mind? A crane's sort of something beautiful. Hmm? And a withered pine is not. Hmm. I'm trying to land something beautiful onto something that's breaking down. It's it's a shame. <laughs> it's I was talking yesterday about myself, you know, about I've sort of cultured a belief all my life mm. based on rejection. And that's a shame. Excellent. Thank you. Steph, that just reminds me of the um, take a wild guess here, like here's the 100 foot pole, and if you stay at the top, yeah, yeah. think about the crane, he's it, stepping yeah. on this with a pie, yeah. probably enjoying itself a bit too much. Meanwhile, the ground is kind of being neglected in a way, maybe it's yeah. everybody else on the ground. Yes. Meanwhile, I'm up here enjoying what I've accomplished. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, like you said, standing on top of a pole or sitting on the mountaintop is another one, or a shadowless tree in an echoless valley. You know, this, this um, notions of experience the absolute, I guess, is in there too. Um, you know, a place where everything just is as it is, you know, things don't, don't matter. <laughs> and we usually come from a, from the other end of the spectrum in our lives, you know, we think in right and wrong and good and bad and, um, think that things around us are the most important thing in the world. And we're so used to that thinking that I think it's important to see the other side of it, see, see the absolute. But it's also, as Stuart said, place where, you know, what's happening on the ground? What's happening with the people around us? We come from that place. How 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 can we make connection from a place that is, you know, this is it, everything is fine. Um, and I mean, what 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 do you say to your partner if he or she says to you, "I love you," and you come from that place? Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
you know, it's not, not a place to make connection or not a place to stay in. And uh, another aspect of it, or, or what's in there, I think, is, you know, when you stand under a tree and a crane, on top of it, shit <laughs> falls downwards, and you know it can be hurtful for the people around us if we we come from that place. Yeah, it's, we need connection. We need connection as human beings. So I think there's this: the monk asking, "What's you know? I reach this point, so." What, what then? And Okoku shows him nicely that there's another side to it. And, and then the next one. When dripping water freezes, what then? And Okoku replied, after sunrise, it's a shame goes in the same direction, but it's a bit more subtle, I think. Anyone, anything comes up with that? Do you think that we're supposed to flow? We're not supposed to stay static. Yeah. What well, streams and ponds, puddles freeze up in the last hours of the night, but then during the daytime, usually they unfreeze. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of, of practice, I mean, sitting in Zazen, you know, it's, we sit still, but it's easy to get into a place where, you know, you stop all thinking and we you know, dropping off body and mind and these things, you know, we hear them a lot. And, um, Know, making everything, being okay with everything, you know, coming from this kind of righteous place of, of practice, you know, it's quite easy to get stuck in that, I think. And, uh, but, but what is, what is the sun here? Like, what well, when life happens? You know, it's, it's not that nothing matters, and it's not that thoughts, we just push them away, or emotions that come up, we just make them all good. I mean, when, when that happens, Some master commented, when the ice melts, you find the dead body in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. Yeah. It's, I remember listening to a thing on YouTube, and it was was called One Minute Zen. You know, it's always good having Zen in the title. And, uh, and a fellow monk was talking about greed, anger, and ignorance. It was basically... Greed, well, don't be greedy, don't do it. And you know, I must say you only had a minute, but <laughs> still. Um, anger, don't 
just don't be angry. As simple as that. And and guess what they did did to me? <laughs> Made me fucking angry. <laughs> From my point of view, when things come up, I need to look at them. They need to be addressed. Otherwise, they fester somewhere in the basement and they work in the dark and they, they cause harm. You know, and just saying, oh, yeah, just don't do that. Don't be like that. Um, doesn't do the trick at all. I think that's true for all, all emotions. Everything that comes up, it needs to be addressed when it comes up. If, if not the sun will, the life or the sun will try to remind you of yours anyway. Yeah, and then they change, you know, but, but only if you attend to it, otherwise they can't. And um, sticking with greed, anger, and ignorance, for, for an example, the three poisons or the three hidden virtues, you know, you, you start off with, as enemies with them. You know, you want to Don't be angry. Shouldn't be angry. I'm afraid of my anger. Um, shouldn't be angry at all. But if if I can still sit still in the midst of this of it and you know attend them, let them pass in their own time, and you know look at them, I can see that they're a part of me and they're not intrinsically evil, you know, they're energies. And they can be powerful enemies too. You know, that energy can be harvested and used. And but I have to attend to it, you know, the the, the frozen the, what did he say? The frozen dripping water. Um, there's no movement. Nothing can Can, can move. Anger is quite an easy one. You know, anger cuts through bullshit. That's just what it is. It doesn't mean I have to act it out. But, you know, taking it in account, and it, there might be a reason for it. Same thing with greed. A bit difficult, more difficult to take. I mean, if I'm really honest with myself, I want everything, and I want it right now, <laughs> you know, and when I, you know, when I let that come up, and the shame and the guilt that is connected with it, you know, can pass, and I'm just owning up to it, that that is the case, it's You know, again, it's an energy that can can be used, can be used for something like this. But again, we have to attend to it. I have to attend to it. Otherwise, it works somewhere. And, um, yeah, just brings harm, you know, if I don't, don't see those things that are working in me. And ignorance, <clears throat> in a sense, you know, that I'm not, not trying to, to avoid to look at something, yeah. but 
taking an account that there's far more out there that I don't know and that I do know. You know? And all kinds of creativity can come out of that. And if I take that in account, that there is most of what's out there, what's in here, is I don't know. Um, and I can learn and, and create, be creative till the end of time. You know, it's a wonderful thing. But if I come from a place where I think I do know everything, it's really hard to be creative. You know, things just get shut down and I go down the same road over and over and over again and life gets stagnant. You know, when the ice melts, you find the dead body in the water. And then there's the third shame. <clears throat> At the time of Esho's persecution of Buddhism, where were the good gods to protect the Dharma? And Pokopu said, for the two guardians of the Triple Gate, it's a shame. You know, Esho's persecution of Buddhism was, um, was um, you know, an emperor who decided that all foreign, foreign religions should be banned. So, so Buddhism, which was big at that time, he closed all the monasteries and the monks had to become lay people and, um, looked a bit like, yeah, this is, this is the end of it. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's easy to, to think about practice in a way that is a way it has to look like, you know, we, we need this to practice. Um, and monasteries are a place like that. This house is a place like that. Um, I mean, during the pandemic, for example, when the pandemic hit first and, uh, you know, we couldn't sit in Liverpool. We were all in our own little boxes scared at home and and I really thought like this is the end to practice as I know it yeah. um, but then other things happen and you know life life finds a way and in five of us who joined us during the pandemic have now taken Jukai but if you asked me four years ago sitting in the morning with people on a screen, I would say, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> um, and the same with, with this place. I mean, we've been going to Crosby for I don't know how many years, twice a year, and it marked, marked my year. And I thought, this is the things are. You know, this is just how it, how it is. And when it isn't like that, catastrophe, you know. It's the end of all things. And now we're sitting here and something else. And um, 
And the same with this this place. I mean, I I wanted to to flourish. I want really want this to be a place of practice, and it comes to me for generations. You know? But um, you know, what if we don't succeed? What if we can't can't make it work? What if no one wants to come and practice with us? Or you know, we get a big scandal. I mean, I can't see that on the horizon, but <laughs> there's there's always there's always space for improvement. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, if if this folds, of course, Roshi and I will be lonely. <laughs> but what does that mean? Does that mean the end of practice? No, you know. Buildings are not the Dharma, and statues are not the Dharma, organizations are not the Dharma, and what I think about the Dharma is not the Dharma either. You know? How 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 could it? You know, it's a living living thing, and uh, and life always finds it its way. It always does. It might, might just not look the way I imagine it to look like. And, and, and getting too hung up about my own practice, like this is how it works, or this is what it has to look like. Um, I think that's a shame that he's talking here about. It doesn't have to look like anything. And, you know, it says on Roshi's um, Inca document out there, success and failure, whether was a doing. And I think that's, that's pretty beautiful, and that sums it up for me. I think I've been talking for, for long enough now. <laughs> and um, I want to read something to you, too to finish this and might or might not be related for you, but it definitely is for me. And uh, the book from Rick Rubin, the, the music producer, I don't know if, if you know him, mm -hmm. like Johnny Cash, Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So whatever, whatever he touched, he turned into gold. And it's, even if I don't like, like the genre, it's usually good music. <laughs> and um, he wrote a book, The Creative Act, A Way of Being. And um, he's talking about the artist, but um, if you wanted a bit more Zen, you just replace the artist with Buddha. And so this chapter is, everyone is a creator. Those who do not engage in the traditional arts might be wary of calling themselves artists. They might perceive creativity as something extraordinary or beyond their cap capabilities. A call for a special few who are born with these gifts. Fortunately, this is not the case. Creativity is not a rare ability. It is not difficult to access. Creativity is a fundamental aspect of human being of being human. It's our birthright 
and it's for all of us. Creativity doesn't exclusively relate to making art. We all engage in this act on a daily basis. To create is to bring something into existence, existence that wasn't there before. It could be a conversation, the solution to a problem, a note to a friend, the rearrangement of furniture in a room, a new route home to avoid the traffic jam. What you make doesn't have to be witnessed, recorded, sold, or encased in glass for it to be a work of art. Through the ordinary state of being, we are already creators in the most profound way, creating our experience of reality and composing the world we perceive. In each moment, we are immersed in a field of undifferentiated matter from which our senses gather bits of information. The outside universe we perceive doesn't exist as such. Through a series of electrical and chemical reactions, we generate a reality internally. We create forests and oceans, warmth and cold. We read words, hear voices, and form interpretations. Then, in an instant, we produce a response. All of this in a world of our own creation. Regardless of whether or not we're formally making art, we are all living as artists. We perceive, filter and collect data, then curate an experience for ourselves and others based on this information set. Whether we do this consciously or unconsciously, by the mere fact of being alive, we are active participants in the ongoing process of creation. To live as an artist is a way of being in the world, a way of perceiving, a practice of paying attention, refining our sensitivity to tune in to the more subtle notes, looking for what draws us in and what pushes us away noticing what feeling tones arise and where they lead. A tuned choice by a tuned choice, your entire life is a form of self-expression. You exist as a creative being in a creative universe, a singular art of work. Of art, a singular work of art. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks,